Thank you, Ephraim, for coming up and doing that. It would be a very unsightly thing for me to try to do it and with my back end up <laughs> on the ground in front of you. It is uh, good to be with you. Shabbat shalom to everybody. It has uh, been a while. Uh, there have, it has been kind of a tumultuous season for the Averys. Uh, as many of you know, uh, Tanya's father passed away um, in the early hours of January 1, and uh, that changed our plans. We had planned to be in Israel, and so that set a whole lot of things in motion, and uh, we deeply appreciate your prayers and words of encouragement during that season, and uh, we're just happy to uh, kind of be back and beginning to settle back into some kind of uh, normal uh, routine, although I'm not sure there's anything about our lives that are normal, but uh, we are happy to be here. And I just want to, a word of clarity, I didn't... Uh, remove the, the app. The other night I was in Cincinnati and I was absolutely exhausted and I needed to sleep and I had my phone, I was in a hotel and I had my phone beside the bed and I had turned everything off but Chris had sent out some message and everybody was responding to it when I needed to go to sleep and my every about the time I'd go to start to go to sleep, nah, and so in, in order to not lose my Christianity, I got up and left, I left the group. I didn't, I didn't uh, uh, remove the app. So it's not that I didn't want to be a part of the conversation, but at that particular moment, daddy needed to sleep. So uh, it is, uh, it, it was actually a, quite an interesting trip that uh, I was on by myself this last weekend. I uh, flew out Saturday to go to Indiana for the purpose of uh, attending on Sunday night a celebration of a, a gentleman who was a young man in the church I used to pastor in Indiana who grew up and then became the pastor of that church for 15 years and they were honoring and recognizing that. But it was really interesting because the night before I left, I woke up in the, the wee hours of the night and it was like the Lord was just downloading a sermon. Now, sometimes, you know, the Lord will like give me an idea in the watch hours of the night and I'll think, wow, I need to get up and study that. But this was more like the whole thing from beginning to end. So when I got on the plane, I just took a little notebook and I just started writing it down, which was really funny because I said, Lord, you know, I'm not scheduled to preach anywhere. I'm just going out to attend this, you know, celebratory event. And uh, so the first night I was going to spend at my uh, sister's house uh, up in Arcadia with her and my brother-in-law, and my brother-in-law is a pastor of the Arcadia Christian Church. And so Saturday night we went out to eat, and I was asking my brother-in-law, well, what service should I attend tomorrow morning? He said, what do you mean? I thought you were going to be going on to Liberty. I said, no, that's not till later in the afternoon. I'm going to be at Arcadia in the morning. He said, well, then why aren't you preaching? And so the next morning I preached twice because they have two services and I really appreciate when the Lord does that and there's a reason I'm telling you that because on the flight back a lot of what we're going to dive into today I began to ask the Lord okay Lord let's begin to prepare for uh, this Saturday as I'm looking at this text as we're continuing the lion's roar series we're moving into uh, a look at Revelation 4 and 5 
And the Lord just began to download again, and I hope and pray that what we look at today is a blessing to you. I want to begin, though, by reminding you why we're calling this series The Lion's Roar, coming from Amos chapter 3, verse 7. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servant, the prophets. The point is simply this. God has always been in the revelation business, and he's always been in the revelation business for your sake and for mine. God doesn't do things without first explaining his counsel to his prophets so that we who are called and chosen to be his children have an understanding of what's going on. God wants us to understand and in that understanding find just cause to remain faithful, standing firm in what he's revealed. Amos chapter 3 verse 8 says, A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who can but prophesy? When the lion roars, he, he is declaring his triumph over his prey, or he's declaring the parameters of his kingdom. When God speaks from heaven, he is declaring his victory, and when someone truly comes to understand and believe in that victory that he has won, how like the lion could we not declare it? As, as born-again believers, as spirit-filled children of God, once we come into the knowledge of the truth, how can we not be a part of declaring the truth that God has gone to such great lengths to share? So when we come to this series, I've, I've told you we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation the same way we look at the book of Matthew, the book of John. Too many times we, we, we look, come to this book and we're looking for some kind of, you know, trying to get a heads up on some kind of chronological series of events. When there's a revelation of truth that is here for us and for every generation, past, present, and unto that final generation, our lion has been victorious. Our king wants everyone to know it. And my prayer today, and I invite you to pray this with me is that we would hear the lion's roar, what the Holy Spirit wants to say to us now, for those watching later, that we would hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches, to his people. Will you pray with me? Abba Father, you have heard the words from our lips, the praises, the songs, the prayers, the blessings. Uh, we just, we do all this and we, we participate in these things because we believe in who you are. And because we believe in who you are, we believe in who we are. We are your children. We are the sheep of your pasture. We are your beloved. And so, Father, I, I don't have to beg you to do what you've already promised to do. Wherever two or three are gathered, you've already promised to be here. So I thank you for your presence. I just ask, Father, that your spirit would help us to speak in such a way that we would let you into those places in our hearts and minds that maybe have remained locked. The things that we need to hear, let the lion roar in Yeshua's name. Amen. Now today, uh, as we carry on this next phase of our study of the book of Revelation, um, we're going to be, uh, well, I, I want to invite you to do something physical with me right now. 
And I want to invite those who are physically able to stand, to stand with me right now as we read the fourth chapter of the Revelation. And you, those who can stand physically, we stand physically. And those who can't stand physically, you stand spiritually. God loves both. There's 11 verses of Revelation chapter 4. Let me read them. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting upon the throne. And he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne like an emerald in appearance. And around the throne were 24 thrones. And upon the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns upon their heads. Out of the throne comes flashes of lightning and sounds of peals of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like... Like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature was like a, a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature had that was like a flying eagle. And the four living beings, uh, each of one having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created." You may be seated. I'm, I'm not sure you catch my meaning. You may be seated if you stand. Or if you, you may be seated. The single biggest downfall of those who study the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ is because we see it as something different than the rest of the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, like Matthew's revelation of Jesus Christ or Mark's revelation of Jesus Christ or Paul's revelation of Jesus Christ. But in truth, there's only one revelation of Jesus Christ and it all tells and all reveals, it all roars the same message but declared in different ways. When we come to the revelation of Jesus Christ that was given to John, we come to one of those types of revelation that is declaring the same message that God wants us to know. And I, I just want to stress that if it's revelation, it's because God wants you to know it. He wants you to see it. Now, I have preached these chapters for years. But as I said, when I came to prepare for this, I asked the Lord to open my mind and heart so that as we share this together, we can see and understand what he is showing us, not just what he is showing us, but why he is showing it to us. Why did we just see everything that John saw in 
Revelation chapter 4. When the lion roars, there's a reason. He's either controlling, con declaring control over his domain, or he's declaring his victory over his prey. So our task is to answer the question, why did Yeshua roar in this fashion in the showing us of the throne room of God, and what is it intended for us to see and understand? Now, on that plane, I was using my Bible app, and I had my little notebook, and so I started going through, and I, what I was really mining for was, I've been doing Revelation seminars for many, many years. I have detailed notes that I usually teach from Revelation chapter 4 and 5, but I was thinking, Lord, you know, in this new study, we're really focusing so heavily on being victors and not victims. I want to understand the application. I want to understand your heart, and so as I began to pray that and began to study, you know, new things came, started flowing into my heart and mind and I would start writing. So I'd, I'd set my little Bible app down and I'd get my notebook and I'd start writing. And then I would open it back up and it kind of got irritating because for some reason, every time I went back to the script, the text, rather than taking it back to the text that I was looking at, it kept taking me to Ephesians chapter one. And the first couple times, I was kind of irritated. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I'd go back to Revelation chapter 4, and I'd read, and I'd start taking more notes. And, and I'd put it down, I'd start taking notes. And then I'd go back to open it again, and it kept going back to Ephesians 1. Now, I don't know if that's because it's the default of this program. I've never noticed this. But after about the third time, I thought, okay, Lord, <laughs> what is going on in Ephesians chapter 1 that you want me to pay attention to? And when I went and studied it, I thought, oh, my word. Thank you. Let me begin Ephesians chapter 1 because in truth today, we're going to study Ephesians chapter 1 so we can understand Revelation chapter 4. Paul, an apostle of, Je of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice that Paul immediately identifies himself as an apostle, a sent one of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. The word for will can also be understood as by the design of God, and this is no small point that Paul is making. Paul is trying to help us understand that he himself, his very life, he is not just called to tell somebody about the message of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He actually is a part of that revelation. His calling and, and, and how God is using him is actually a part of the message that, that God is saying. He, he's like this living object lesson of everything the message is trying to say, uh, to tell us. And so he's calling our attention to the fact that his very ministry is a part of the grand design of God, which is the will of God. Now, I want to remind you of a prophecy I've referenced lately, Genesis 49.10, which is Jacob's blessing over Judah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the nations. That last phrase in Hebrew is the akatamim, and it is the obedience of the nations that will ultimately come to the Messiah. Now, Judaism sees this as occurring by force, and while we do believe that the Messiah will come and he will subjugate the nations, that's not really what the prophecy is talking about. 
Paul adds one word in Romans 1.5 as he is explaining his own life and ministry and calling and being an apostle specifically to the Gentiles, and he quotes Genesis 49.10 or alludes to it, whatever, however you want to, you know, homage, however, whatever word you want to say, but as he's kind of summing up this section where he's describing his ministry, he says that his ministry is specifically to bring about the obedience, and then he adds a word, of faith among the nations. Now, why does Paul do that? Because Paul is well aware of how Judaism understands that passage. But what he understands is that the subjugation of the nations doesn't come by force. It comes by faith. That the obedience that is coming to the Messiah is going to come to the Messiah. Not because Jesus shows up and terrorizes the nations. But because he comes and redeems the nations with the good news of the gospel. Amen. It's by faith, not by force. Though in the... In the ultimate return, he'll have to explain to the nations what's going to happen. In verse 2, Paul goes on, he says, grace and peace to you. This is not just a greeting. I've referenced this before. This is a blessing in which we stand. A people in Christ and the Messiah who experience the grace, power, and peace of God because that has always been the blessing, the prophetic destiny of those who find their place to stand in God's prophetic destiny. Meaning when, when Paul blesses you with this, you know, grace and peace to you, that's your reality, that's where you sit if that's where you stand. Meaning if that's what you believe, that becomes the reality of your life. Now, I know you, you've, you've sat back down and you've gotten comfortable. I know some, some people have some little ones and you don't need to stand. But uh, I know you're going to feel like you're at a Catholic wedding, but I'm going to need to stand up again. And, and you're going to understand why. I'm, I'm, trust me. Because I want to continue reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Now, in, in the Revelation, it made sense for us to stand because you don't sit in the throne room. When the king comes in, you stand. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Messiah, in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he has predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the richness of his grace, which he lavished upon us. You may be seated. No, really, you can sit down. So why all this standing? Before I answer that, let me read to you the beginning of one of the most famous prayers in Judaism. And this is an incredibly ancient prayer. When I started researching it, I'm talking about the Amidah, the standing prayer. And it goes all the way back three, 400 years uh, before the time of Christ. It is believed that the men of the great assembly constructed this prayer. 
And, oh snap, I'm going to have to ask you to stand up again. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get your, 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 your steps in today. Because I can't read the standing prayer and have you not stand. Listen to this standing prayer. Blessed art thou, Lord our God, and God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, to the great, mighty, and awesome God, the most high God, who bestows loving kindness and goodness, who creates everything, who remembers the good deeds of the patriarchs, and who will lovingly, lovingly bring a redeemer to their children's children for the sake of his name, O King, Helper, Redeemer, and Shield, blessed art thou, Shield of Abraham. Now you may be seated. So let me explain why all this standing. Because when you read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 9, you're reading the Christian Amidah. Everything that Paul is saying, his terminology, his verbiage, is right out of the Amidah prayer. It's a blessing. The topics, let me try and show this to you. Notice that the Amidah begins as a blessing, blessing the God and Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Notice how Paul begins his section. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hello. Sound familiar? The Amidah also extols his, the blessings of God poured out on Abraham and his descendants. And, and there's much more to the Amidah than what this, this, uh, this first part. There, you know, some say there's 13, some say there's like 19 blessings that carry on through this. And notice what Paul declares in his opening blessing, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. That's what the Amidah is talking about. This standing prayer. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing, where? In the heavenly places. Interesting. Notice that Paul is declaring the source and origin of our blessings in the heavenly places, meaning that there is something revealed in those heavenly places that is directly related to the blessings that you and I have in Messiah Jesus. And, this, and, and they source to God, the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So why did the men of the great assembly choose to make this a standing prayer? And why do they turn and face Jerusalem when they pray it? Because they're sinking up with heaven. Remember what Jesus taught us to pray, you know, as it is in heaven on earth? Their mentality was that somehow if, if they would get the children of Israel, the chosen children of this nation, that would somehow stand before the Lord and they would declare, the, they would bless God, that they would actually be stepping into the same thing. They would be joining the heavenly host in doing what they're doing. Then we would, in heaven, we would be doing it here on earth. Oh, this is going to get so good. The Amidah was intended to remind the Jewish people that as God's kingdom on earth, they were to be in sync with his kingdom in heaven. And that's going to make a whole lot more sense next week when we come back and look at what the throne really is. Paul goes on, verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless 
before him. What does that mean? We have a standing place in his presence. That's the blessing. The Amidah extols the goodness of God's loving kindness bestowed upon them. Paul's Amidah extols the blessings we stand in that we were chosen before the foundation of the world to have a standing place before him and that all of this is a manifestation of his will, meaning his original intended good purposes for those of us who love him and stand in his love. Paul goes on and explains what God's good pleasure has always been even before the foundation of the world. He says he predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ Jesus himself according to the kind intention of his will. That's such a weird way to say whatever he's trying to say. The kind intention of his will. To the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us. God in his love predetermined what he would do for those he chose who chose his son. It is the plan that God had for the people who chose his son, not the people who would choose his son. This, the predestination that the Bible talks about is not God predetermining who gets saved. It's what the saved get from God. How do I know that? Romans chapter 8. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, the ones he knew would choose his son, he also predetermined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And uh, these whom he predetermined, predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. The good that works in our lives is the fulfillment of his good pleasure. The we would be conformed to his image, called according to his purposes, credited as righteous in his sight, and collectively glorified with the Son of God. And he decided, you choose my son, you get my son's inheritance. That's what Paul is talking, that's what predestination is. It's not, you get saved, you get saved, you're not, you get saved, you get saved, I gotta make sure I'm not pointing anybody, you know... That's not what this is about. It's that we who would receive his son would receive the inheritance of the son, which includes a place to stand in his presence and a place to be seated in his kingdom. Verse 5 speak, uses a Greek word, eudokia. Uh, the, the first part of that, the EU sound, is the good pleasure or the kind intention of God toward us. God has always had a good plan that flows from his goodness. So why is Paul using all this Amidah verbiage? Because God's kind and good intention towards us has always been to give humanity a place to stand in his presence. The Amidah verbiage is, the perfect, is perfect because it points to two great truths about that plan. One, what God is doing in heaven can be synced into by those on earth. If the angels stand before the throne and cry out, holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, I can do on earth what they're doing in heaven. That's amazing. That something's going on in that heavenly place that you and I have access to. Secondly, it helps us recognize what those heavenly places reveal about our 
uh, all the blessings that are ours in Messiah. Remember what, what Paul said in his, in his blessing, that all the blessings of heaven. And he said, well, Brent, when, when are we going to get the application? Right now. Because he's not talking about someday you'll have access to all the blessings of heaven. It's, it's not about a kingdom that's coming. It's about a kingdom that's now and you have access. You have the opportunity to be connected to these blessings. And this is what the Lord's been revealing. It's the good pleasure or the kind intention. Do you remember when the angels appeared to the shepherds? And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. Isn't that interesting? An angel who stands before the Lord now come and stands before them. Well, that's impressive. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly afraid. Now, when I was a kid, whenever we'd sing about, you know, the glory showing, I, I thought we were talking about the angels. But right here, there's only one messenger angel, probably Gabriel, that's talking to the shepherds. And the glory of the Lord, the manifestation of his light and his presence has shown them. They are literally encircled and encompassed. They have found a place in the glory of God. Wow. Why? Because that's the message Come on. That's the good news. God has a way for you to stand enveloped and encircled in his presence. That, do you know what the, 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 the Greek word we've been talking about here, eudokia, which is you and it has to do with good, and dokeo, which is the thing that is thought. So it's this good intention, it's this good thought. But do you know what the Greek word is for the good news, the, the gospel? Euangelios. It's that E-U, good, and the word for angel. Do you know that every time you go out and you share the gospel, you know what you're really telling people? Like the heavens above, we have a place to stand. God has made a way in his son. That's the good news. That the angels aren't the only ones that get to stand before the Lord. That the angels aren't the only ones that get to experience the majesty, the power, the manifestation of his presence. God has found a way for you to come stand in that very place. Isn't this, is this not awesome? This is mic drop moment for me. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a savior who is Christ the Lord. We're going to look at those three next week. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, may I just say, in the highest places, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. That last verse is kind of tricky until you understand what the good news actually is. Glory to God in the highest. In the highest places, God has revealed his kind intention and good pleasure for mankind. That's what you're seeing when God shows you the throne. He's showing you his intention. What you see happening there 
Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. And on earth, peace among men. What is peace among men? The kingdom of God. There is no peace among men unless the rule of heaven and earth brings peace to this place. They only, all this strife only ceases to exist in the presence of the kingdom. Paul goes on, verses 9 through 12. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him. So now Paul is saying, okay, here comes the revelation. It's all going to come through Jesus. And he is going to be the source through which you and I come to understand the good pleasure, the intention of God. It's all going to come through him. It's going to be revealed by him. And he's going to make it happen with a view to, here's another fun sentence, with a view to an administration suitable to the, fulfill, to the fullness of times. And all God's people said, amen, huh? You didn't say amen. You said, huh? Who talks like that? with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. Yikes. That is, okay, now he's gonna make, now he's, now he's gonna make it clear. He's gonna, he's gonna let, me, let me explain it to you, Lucy. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, which having been predetermined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. By the way, right there, he just told you what was predetermined, the inheritance. It wasn't who gets the inheritance. It was what the inheritance will be for those who choose him. We have obtained an inheritance, having been predetermined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end, to the purpose, that we who are the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. What do the angels in heaven around the throne do? They praise his glory. Well, what is the good news? You have a place to stand. If the angels are manifestations of his goodness and grace, then you're a manifestation of his goodness and grace. You see, Paul is explaining what John is revealing. John is going to show us the highest places. We're going to look at it. And, oh, man, there's some great stuff. But before we get there, we need to know why. We need to know what it is we're looking at. You see, when we see the throne of God, we see the revelation of his purpose for us to create a standing place before him. Now, we're going to come back to that next week. But uh, what exactly is it that is in view? Well, first of all, an administration suitable for the summing up of everything. Let me par paraphrase that. A kingdom that brings about everything that God has planned on doing. A kingdom that is the blessing we've all been waiting for. Does that make it, is that easier? It, this, it's good news. It's the thing that's in view is that there's an administration. What's an administration? A kingdom in which all of the blessings that are revealed in the heavenly places become our reality. Wow. Secondly, the redemption in Jesus that makes it all possible. These are the two things in view. This administration, this kingdom, and this redemption 
that Jesus has brought about. Verse 13, in him also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession of the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit has been placed in you as a guarantee, you know, if you're the member of the club, you got to go show your card. When the Lord returns, he'll know you're his because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh. Now listen to Paul's prayer for you and the view to which he directs our attention to convince us, to convince you, it can all be yours. Beginning in verse 15. For this reason... I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that's Amida terminology again, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray, I got to stop. Does Paul ever pray for something God can't deliver? Come on, talk to me, church. Does Paul pray for something that, he, that God can't deliver? No. Then we best be listening to this prayer and believing that what he's praying for us, we can receive. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. These are all in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Messiah when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places." How do I know I can have these things? Because I know exactly where Jesus stands and where he sits. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things uh, in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. My friends, Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the majesty. He is seated on that throne. He's standing there in heaven, and he is the source of all of these blessings. The Amidah lists all of these individuals individual blessings, Paul condenses it and simply says that every heavenly blessing that is ours, that is pictured in the construct of heaven and the throne is ours in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Because that's our reality. That is the reality when I finally stop droning on and you leave this place. That is the reality that becomes your choice and your opportunity. That is the opportunity for you to stop feeling like a victim and start living as a victor. Because when the lion roars, the hyenas run. When the lion roars, people run for cover. 
And there are circumstances and situations in your life, and the problem is that many times we're the ones cowering, we're the ones running for cover because we have not taken our stand believing who is standing for us. Man, we've got to see this reality. You say, well, but Brand, it's, it's, it's in heaven, it's so missed. This is reality. And what is happening in heaven if we ever but for a moment step into sync with the truth of the power of that heavenly place ready to be poured out, manifested in those who stand before the Lord. Life changes. That debt, I have a place before the throne of God. Those people talking against me, my king advocates for me. It changes everything. And that's why we have to see it. When we finally get a view of his throne, only then will we understand the power in which we are called to stand, the grace, the understanding, the wisdom, every blessing of God in the heavenly places that is ours in Jesus Christ, so that someday, not someday, you'll be a victor and not a victim, but that today, today, you can walk out of here victorious because you've listened to the lion's roar tell you the truth about what God has always been planning for you. So as we close out our service today, I ask you to stand one more time. And the benediction that we will close with is my prayer, it is my plea, but it is also the purpose of God that he wants to manifest in your life, young or old, teenage, senior, adult, doesn't matter. If you are a born-again, spirit-filled believer, this is your purpose, this is your place, this is the truth that will guide and guard your lives and equip you regardless of what's going on if we will stand in it. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in his presence, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, and to Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power for all time, both now and forever. And all those who choose to believe it and walk out of here and live in it said, amen. So be it. Amen.